Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and welcome to the show. We're happy to bring on Juno Award-winning recording artist Lights, talking about her latest album, Life on the Road, and the importance of working with women in the music industry. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland, stops by to discuss the juggernaut that is Shawn Mendes. We have new music for you from Courage My Love, Chris Cornell, and David Guetta, and round things out chatting with the lead singer of Tim and the Glory Boys, Tim Newfeld. But first, let's take a listen to our conversation with Lights when she was here in Montreal on a recent tour stop. The Kelly Alexander Show. Super excited to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show, Juno Award-winning artist Lights. Hello, lady. My God. So is it as exciting for you as it is for me when when I say Juno Award-winning? Because it's like, it's so cool. It's like the biggest music award in Canada, I would think. I'm very proud of it. Actually, Juno Awards asked me to film a clip uh, a couple, like a month or two ago of like where I keep my Junos and they just posted it. And I keep it in my display case with all my figurines and all my like collectibles and I'm like mm-hmm. these are like the prized possessions of my life and they're in there and I have to keep them on the bottom shelf because they're so big and heavy they're like weapons okay but, you know every time I, I I'm reminded of this like this amazing um pat on the back from the the Canadian music world and lucky to be part of it do we want a Grammy someday that would be a dream but you know I'm happy with the Junos <laughs> okay, okay very happy good with the Junos let's go back a little bit to when you were a kid did you always know that being a musician was in the cards for you it was kind of the only option for me okay. um because I was naive <laughs> And I think that like bare naivety is probably what got me where I am. But yeah, I, I, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a singer. It's, it's funny. I look at my niece now and she's like, I'm going to be an engineer, an astronaut, and pop star. I'm like, cool. Well, I guess, yeah. Why not? I mean, I guess we can do it. You know, there, someone in her life is that by definition. Mm-hmm. So it was. it's like, why not just dream big? And I think that's one of the things that gets you where you are. Um, and it wasn't until later in my life, once I'd already probably gotten my foot through the door, that I was like, oh my God, that's so un- unrealistic. Yeah. So I'm lucky. That's good. But you work hard, though. You work hard. And, and yeah. talk to us a little bit, too, um, about how you brought in the the, the, the drawing and the, yeah. and, the, and the graphic novel stuff. Like, how did that all come together? Because I think when I first started interviewing you, that wasn't part of the repertoire yet. Maybe it was behind no. the scenes, but not out front. Yeah, well, it's always been an influence in what I do. Like, uh, the first record was, like, inspired by Sailor Moon and The Watchmen, and, and it's always made its way into my music videos and the aesthetic. And I had, like, a little series where I, no I was playing Neezies with you. Girl um, crush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, like did a, a little mini series called Captain Lights. I didn't draw or write it, but I was, um, you know, sat for the character and voiced the character and put my music in and stuff. So it's always mm-hmm. been a big part of what I do and what inspires me and what moves me. But being a creator seemed like this like unattainable thing that I might never be able to do. And I didn't like that there was something I wasn't able to do. Yeah. In my And the only person setting those limitations was me. And I was like, oh, I, I would love to do this thing, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And then one day I just woke up. Uh, and I, I decided to try it because I thought someone's going to do it and I'm going to be jealous. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it first. <laughs> and so I uh, just learned how to do it. And cool. uh, and it, also, I, I think I've always had these grand ideas of uh, deeper meanings behind the music and something that maybe never manifests the way that I wish it would because there's so much more to it than mm-hmm. just a lyric and a melody. And, and music videos are a way to like manifest visuals that go along with creativity, but this brought it to life even more. And, and it was just such a fun thing to be part of and do and prove myself uh, wrong, I guess, for all those years that I didn't think I could do it. That's so cool. Now talk to us how the uh, drawing and the writing translates into like latest albums get on earth like how does that all work together because it's like it's like almost like this one big massive project just came at us yeah so each song is a chapter in the comic okay and um so especially with the graphic novel there's six issues and Mm -hmm. there's 14 chapters um as many songs as there are on the record each with the same name and in the graphic novel if you scan over each chapter there's a qr code 
um, that brings up the song that goes with it. So it's actually a totally interactive experience. And the songs um, were all inspired by the moods that were created in those chapters mm-hmm. um, and written about like real experiences, but inspired by the pages of the comic and the story that came first, essentially. Wrote all the music and then finished the writing for the comic, fleshed out all the dialogue and integrated lyrics into the dialogue to a certain degree to the point where it wasn't awkward and cheesy because <laughs> I was like, if it's all lyrics, it's going to be really weird. Yeah. Uh, nobody talks in lyrics. But yeah, and then just drew it all and took me, I took a year and a bit off touring to try wow. to get it done. Okay. And now I'm like, I can't take that kind of time off again. So I'm actually working on the second arc and trying to find time while touring to do it. So it's, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of work. But, and uh, you're a mom. Let's and, add and that in because the last time you were not a mom when we spoke. No. So now mommy to Rocket, yep. which is, first of all, how did you decide on the name? That's the coolest name ever. You it's, and Pharrell Williams name your kids Rocket. I know. I didn't know that until after. <laughs> Damn it, Pharrell. I had the game in all respects. And ageless. That's right. <laughs> um... It's a funny story, actually. We were doing a show in Vancouver at the PNE, and it was before I had told my band. I was three months pregnant, and it was sort of like in that pinnacle turning point where I was like, am I going to just like be a parent, or do I want to keep doing music? And I had made that decision that like I love what I do, and I want to keep doing it. So it was re- like a very liberating mm-hmm. transitional point of the pregnancy, kind of. And that night, I decided to tell my band. Yeah. Bought them each like a big bottle of booze. <laughs> Liquored them up. Yeah. And then I was like, um... I'm pregnant and it was just like a special moment and they're like well we knew because like you have boobs now <laughs> and you stopped drinking wine so that's two things and I was like oh okay so it was like this really liberating night and the show was amazing and actually behind the crowd there was a big giant neon rocket oh my god and I I just love space and uh, it was just like this is everything's so emotional and cool and every time I would talk about the rocket behind the, the crowd people would look back and be very confused and at the end of the show I realized it was actually just like a sideways Ferris wheel okay. that to me from my vantage point looked like a rocket Love so it. it became kind of a running joke and then my sister at the end of the night was like man rocket's a cool name that's awesome and, uh, was it hard to uh, convince the man or he no he loved it because well, we were undecided on names leading up to that because we didn't know the sex yep we're like we need something that could be both and it was going to be either Link or Cloud, which are both video game references. And, and he, we were unsettled on them, but we still really liked them. So we decided this was a fair, okay. a fair balance. How has it changed you as an artist being mummy? It's liberated me. I, I would oh, yeah. say, I think just in terms of like not caring. Okay. Uh, because it starts to sort of put things into perspective. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm so lucky to do what I do. And, and it takes the weight off my shoulders and the pressure off myself. Because suddenly, it, like the world seems like it. it's a lot bigger. Cool. And you have somebody else to care for. And you're like, I get to make this stuff up for a living and have fun while I do it so just like enjoy life and I've actually been become better at delegating time to do things so I'm like okay I'm gonna work for these four hours a day because I actually don't have time to just pilfer away like I used to and playing Candy Crush all day long (laughs) um so yeah I I think I've just gotten more motivated to to achieve my dreams and is it challenging or more challenging to be on the road with with little baby like I know she's three now right around that she's four four now okay yeah it's it's hard it's definitely like um, two mentalities to take okay. on the road. Um, she was she actually just left today. She, okay. was, she was here for a few days with Bo. Um, and I love having her out, but it's like you never get as much sleep. Mm-hmm. You have two things to, to be concerned about during the day, and it, it's like makes it all so much bigger. So it's actually nice when when Bo can be the stay at home dad while okay. I'm on tour, and we we switch it up. Okay, that's balance awesome. it off, juggle juggle a kid around. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she loves it. Um, talk to us about um, collaborations. Do you ever want to like? Is there someone right now that you're like I want to collaborate with? 
blank. Hmm. I'd love to call it Drake. Okay, let's put that out there. <laughs> Mr. 416, Mr. 6. Yeah, he's great. I just actually covered his whole re- last record. Oh, for that's fun. Cool. It was really fun. That's awesome. The Scorpion B-side. Okay. It's on my website. Check it Check out. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, I love collabing. I, it's so fun. I, I also want to do more stuff with Shad. I, I love Shad. Okay. And he's done stuff on my previous work and his new record's amazing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't checked it out, do. And just like super Canadian talent. I would also love to collab with Tanya Tagak. She's like unreal cool such a badass um so who knows i wanted to ask you this um the last year with the me too movement right which came out obviously in the states but i think it affects so many women around the world Mm -hmm. a lot of people have have, have gravitated towards it because they need to get their their word out Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people look to you for strength just because you you exude that um i feel that that and so i I just want to know um have you had fans come up to you and like maybe share their stories at all? And like, how do you feel about the Me Too movement? Do you think there's because it's, it seems like it's happening more on the TV side and movie side as opposed to record yeah. stuff and music. And I think it's happened there, too. Sure. So do you think like as a young female artist, like has it been an issue for you? And uh, and I, I've been probably fairly lucky, okay. uh, maybe versus a lot of other people's experiences. But I've had experiences that shouldn't have happened in yeah. the music world. And I think that's changing. And I, spe- I think especially with the movement for all of its ups and downs, I think that there's a lot of positivity about getting the freedom to say these things that we didn't feel like we could talk about before Mm -hmm. and making sure that there's this idea out there that's like this isn't something that's acceptable okay like you know it just even the way like a lot of female front of house people I know like every time I walk into a venue I have to like earn it right whereas you know if you're a guy you don't necessarily have to so it's uh it's something that I think is changing and the more women we get in the industry is going to perpetuate more and more women learning that that's the place for them okay and I think that goes with production behind the scenes too I'm always like you know trying to find women to work with mm-hmm. I think yeah. especially in this next record I'm like I want to work with more women behind the scenes because okay. you know you have to create, create those opportunities and I think uh, along with uh, hoping that you can set an example in terms of chasing those dreams and going for it you, you got to create those opportunities as well so I'm going to definitely try to do a lot more as well talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on Canadian uh, pop music talent these days because like you've been a mainstay on the on the radio at least on the radio station I work for for Aww. like 10 years yeah, which is amazing I've right? been lucky for that yeah and, and every time it's like I'm like oh, she's still there I love it you know Aww, what I mean yeah thank and, you and so what do you feel about some of the young cats that are coming up like the Tyler Shaw's got Hellman's Reamaze of the world like the list goes on like do you listen to them like have you met them at the Junos yeah, like, all that stuff? yeah it's just such a small world in the Canadian scene mm-hmm. like you run into everyone like I was just with Scott at We Day like okay. a couple weeks ago and I know Rhea like tons of talent and that's what I, that's why I love Canadian music um, there's so much talent and everyone's cool awesome like uh, and so much stuff I really enjoy listening to like Grimes and okay. Alessia Cara and uh, Purity Ring you know like there's just so much good stuff Okay. and everyone's so kind and warm and mm-hmm. it's like a small community by the way I just want to put it out there I'd like you and Alessia to do a song together hey, you so know what? Call let's me. do that you know <laughs> what? if that. she wants to do a track I'm here okay. very good now, I she's amazing end, she is amazing and uh, I want to end off with some fast fives for you so which celebrity have you met that uh, actually made you starstruck I feel like that wouldn't happen but there must be somebody that you're like I can't believe or that they love your stuff and you're like that is amazing oh um, I met Phil Collins and, and just cried <laughs> that's fine that's and good. I, I, it has never happened to me before I just awesome. bawled and I, I had no idea what had come over me and he was just like and I felt so embarrassed because there's so much I wanted to say but then all those years of like somebody's music being with you through mm-hmm. different phases and then and learning so much from this person's creativity mm-hmm. and then they're right in front of you and it was like a very overwhelming experience so, that's so uh, I'm cool. sorry Phil the, I'd love a redo <laughs> the best song you've heard in the last year Ooh. or that you wish you'd, you'd written oh my god there's so many of them I think about this all the time and now I'm blanking on all of them but uh one dance oh okay. I, you know that's I, not I, that new though no but that's, that's fine that's not that new um that's fine I love delicate by Taylor Swift it's a good okay, song that is good yeah uh 
blank uh blank space? stay by not blank, oh, oh blank stay by zed stay by zed and alessia, and alessia? Okay. really good one uh yeah there's just so much good stuff that's cool actually i really like pop right now that's awesome yeah what's your favorite thing to do on your day off i like just sitting in the hotel and playing a game or watching scary movies drinking some wine doing a face mask and getting a little work done because okay. you know what i get a lot of joy out of like drawing that's awesome you know or like sitting down and writing or working on music for a little bit it's actually very rewarding okay cool so i get time to do that on my off days now not that you need to do this but if you could who would you switch places with for one day to be that artist like just to experience what they Ooh. go through oh i don't know i would love to like see a day in the life of alanis morissette yeah you know okay, like, cause she's cool. such just like free spirit that's awesome and uh it's you know has been doing it for so long it still plays to crowds of this like massive crowds and these songs that everyone knows every word of and and she just seems cool. Awesome. I don't know where they're. Last question. This recently got announced that uh, the Spice Girls are coming back. I know. Do you want them to come to Canada? Will you? Yeah, go? I think they have to. Okay, good. Yeah, they have and to. Which, we were talking about it. Which Spice Girl are you? I was sporty always. Okay, yeah. very good. Yeah. Mel C. Yeah. That. yeah. Um, I love you. Thank you so much for hanging out again. It's been so great to see you and oh, continued so success. Good. Thank you. Thanks for being with me for all these yeah, years right. too. My girl, the support. Lights. Make sure you check her out on our website, uh, music.imlights.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Very happy to have you along for the ride and remember you can follow us on all our social media by hitting up our website kellyalexandershow.com joining us now is our music editor sharon highland and this week we are discussing all that is canadian superstar sean mendez his cover story in rolling stone was recently released and he had a lot to say about his career and also what goes on inside his 20 year old head so first of all sharon uh welcome back to the big program and uh, oh, thank you very much Love <laughs> to be here. uh first off are you a fan of sean mendez and his music i am i think he's very talented point did you want me to elaborate that's <laughs> if you want or is that a big a hard stop there's there some space there i should go on i think he's uh very talented he's got the exact formula of what a pop idol should have which uh which i think in my estimation should be talent first he's got uh compelling dimples yeah, also true <laughs> and great hair yep which i think he's very uh you know he takes great import with that like he's he's making sure his yeah. hair is always on point and you know what he's 20 years old so he should be <laughs> it's also true uh as i as i'm sure you're well aware he uh his star rose very quickly being discovered on vine after doing covers of of other artists like bieber and i believe ed sheeran um once the right people got their hands on him and helped him sort of figure out his direction he has definitely been off to the races hit songs stitches life of the party in my blood that's only a few of them uh in your opinion is he the real deal do you think he could actually have a long-lasting career because unlike most pop acts he kind of borders on that singer-songwriter pop rocker vibe that he's not just depending on his good looks, even though he has them and, you know, dance moves, which I don't believe he does. Well, I think what he has is the ability not only to write a good song, but play it acoustically. Um, so he's instantly and always portable, which is great. And it's, uh, it, it, I, I really find it gives some, uh, some worth if you can kind of prove yourself if just handed a guitar, you know, or an instrument. Hey, if it's piano or whatever... Um, but he can do it and he does it for, you know, thousands and thousands of people, um, at every tour stop. So yeah, I think he's, uh, he's in it for the long haul. I think the only thing that'll get in his way is his head, mm -hmm. which is and next. not to say that, uh, it's not a big head. I'm not saying that. I, I think that he's got those neuroses that, uh, go leave him spinning at times. 
Yeah, well, because in that Rolling Stone article, you get the sense that even though he seems to have this great support system around him, including his family, that he is often, often struggling with a lot of anxiety. He uh, he acknowledged in some of the interviews um, and also in his song, In My Blood, which is very revealing about some of the anxiety that he goes goes through. Do you think that he's um, or that the pressure could be too much for him? Like, do you think this is going to get worse before it gets better? No, but I think that it's uh, I mean, no, I can't, can't you know what I can't say. Um, decisively if it's a yes or no. I would hope not. I would hope that if at this stage of the game he's aware of his uh, idiosyncrasies, his neuroses and things like that, and he's vocal about them, that uh, at the same time he'll know that he can, you know, seek help on how to control those, um, uh, you know, control the wheels from spinning out of control. One of the things that he said in the Rolling Stone article, uh, and I want your opinion if you think this is just him being 20 or the life of an artist, he said um, his biggest fear is to wake up tomorrow and nobody cares. Well, I, th- I think that's, a, a, that's a, a strong statement for such a young man because technically, if it all goes away, he's really got the rest of his life ahead of him to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. However, I believe that it's that same um, drive that, you know, or that, that same fear rather that drives an artist of his caliber to keep on keeping on. So if he can manage that to use it as a um, encouragement or influence versus something that'll take over his, his mind, then he's, he's, uh, he'll be okay. But it's a, uh, it's a lot to carry around. And again, he's only 20 years old. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think all the, um, the neurons are firing yet because I don't think he's completely mature yet. And he's has all the success already. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's, he's surrounded by people that, uh, that uh, can watch out for him and care for him and have their priorities in place too. Um, and his priorities seem to be in line, like his, uh, his health being kind of at the front of it by going to the gym and uh, taking care of his voice and, and concern of his fans. Like mm-hmm. he cares about his fans. He realizes uh, that without them, there's no him in this capacity. <laughs> uh, so if he nurtures that relationship now, I, you know, it's similar to like a Backstreet Boys or Spice Girls. We're still interested in them on tour, you know, 20, 25 years later. So he knows that nurturing that relationship with the fans is something that uh, can only be good in the end. I'm sure of it. So it's, it, it is smart that he's doing that. In the article, he talks about, uh, or or I should say the author talks about that he smokes pot. And I'm not sure that Sean mm-hmm. actually wanted that knowledge to be out there because the way it was kind of worded, as I'm sure you read the article, it just seemed like he wasn't going to share that knowledge, but it's out there now. And he said that um, pot helps him a lot and then it, it sort of helps him creatively and then he can go forth and sort of play guitar for like seven hours, I guess because it calms him down. Um, what's your take on that? Like, Because again, he has this pop pristine image uh, he really hasn't done anything wrong. We've never caught him under, you know, a bar with his underwear on his head. You know what I mean? So this is, and I know not a lot of people, yet. not yet, <laughs> maybe it's coming. And I know a lot of people smoke marijuana. I know it's now legal in Canada and all that sort of good stuff. But um, it's funny because he's, he's, he's all about the gym every day, but then there's this. Well, uh, marijuana is, uh, is um, prescribed medicinally also. So if he's um, using it for, you know, if he's not raging in a party mode and let's get high, I mean, there's a difference of using it to keep your yourself calm versus, uh, you know, the, the next step to the next drug you're going to take. 
But again, he's surrounded by his father and his, his parents and his family that take care of, of his career also. So ideally, um, they're monitoring that too. But maybe they don't know about that part. <laughs> they do now. Uh, maybe they do only now. What's your take on the part of the article where he gets, um, I guess, pretty forthright about the fact that he's upset about people questioning his sexuality all the time, even though he's not anti-gay, but it seems like he has a no. problem being questioned all the time about it. So, yeah, your thoughts? Well, uh, you know what? I I think because he has these idiosyncrasies, because he has these wheel spinning moments of I got to, you know, what if it all ends or I got to make sure they know the truth. He's compelled by that. But he also at the same time in the same breath will say, but I don't care. It doesn't even matter if I'm gay or not. I'm just not, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's interesting. The uh, the uh, community that will go after that. I mean, even since that article has been released, if you just Google search his name, the first six items that pop up on their screen um, are are about this. Confessions of a neurotic teen idol needing to prove he's not gay. Um, and then there's errors. Like, of the six things that I'm looking at on my screen right now, Sean Mendes addresses gay rumors and Haley Baldwin romance. Then a couple over, it says Sean Mendes addresses gay rumors and dating Haley Bieber. How many Haley's are there in this, <laughs> in this picture? Um I think he's got, you know what, the world's got to settle down. It can't matter if he's gay or not. Right. And and what if he was? Yeah, well, nothing. You know what I mean? Like, nothing. What if he was, and he's saying he's not, but what if he was and he was struggling with it? Mm-hmm. Like he himself said in that article, there are people that that kill themselves because of the struggle of this. So the fact that the internet is so brave behind their keyboards and saying really like pushy things about this young man's sexuality, it doesn't matter. But they have to be mindful, as he seems to be, that this is a a bigger struggle for some people that it shouldn't be made light of. And he's saying, I'm not, but people will push and push and say, just, you know, it's not true because he has to be gay. It doesn't even, it doesn't matter, but it's disrespectful to the, the people that actually are and struggle with that because they're, they don't, they don't know how to get to the next phase. And he knows that, which I I think is another great characteristic of, uh, that'll contribute to his longevity. Wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, now I realize the podcast Kelly Alexander show is broadcast around the world. We have lots of listeners from all over the, uh, the place, but I did want to get your thoughts because you and I are both Canadian and so Mm -hmm. is Sean Mendez. But funny enough in my brain, um, I don't find him like, you know how I sort of would view Brian Adams or even Drake, I view them as like very Canadian with Sean. He could be American. I don't know. Do you have that sense? Like I, and it's not that I need him to be flying the flag every two seconds, but yeah, even Justin Bieber, I guess, because we know he likes hockey and he sort of talks about Canada a bit, you know, I, I don't know. It just, what's your thoughts on, on that? Like, do you have that sense that not that he's not proud to be Canadian, but it it just, he could be from anywhere. Uh, no, I don't, uh, I don't actually see any of, uh, like I see all of them as Canadian, or North American. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I don't see that he's, uh, he, I don't think that he lacks any kind of Canadiana. Okay. As far as I can see. And if you were Sean's manager or even one of his parents, what would you say to sort of help him through this ro- roller coaster ride? Because I do uh, worry about his anxiety. I know he'll get through it if he gets through it, but like I do feel like the next couple of years he could still be in for a rough ride because it does seem like he takes a lot personally. I would make sure that uh, that my client had access to um, to 
a therapy, someone to talk to. Okay. To make sure that he's, uh, if whether it's uh, me as his manager or a professional, which is probably a better idea since I'm not actually his manager. <laughs> Although you are my um, life coach. I think <laughs> that's true. I am your life coach <laughs> that you never knew you wanted. But man, oh man, you're lucky to have. Exactly. I, I would uh, definitely make sure that he, uh, that he had someone to talk to. Just because he's young still, he's of school age, like... He, he technically should just be out of high school. So even at that normal phase of life, whether you're a pop superstar or a regular kid who's 20, you're still questioning the world and, and it's important to have those conversations. So because he is who he is and where he is professionally, uh, it, it might be a good idea to, to have conversations with someone who is also professional. Last question for because you. That, oh, yeah. Sorry, that would just be a healthy thing to do, in my opinion. Of course. Now, last question for you. Um, at the So the article is now out, of course. Sean actually put out a message because he did sort of forward the, the uh, link, I guess, to his fans or whatever. But then he wrote, of course, I have my insecurities and struggles, but that's just one part of me. Sometimes the positive side of a story doesn't always get fully told. And I wish it had here. I love what I do. And I love you guys so much. So clearly, he's not entirely happy with the way that article was written. And I'm sure this is not the first first person in that situation where a Rolling Stone or a Variety or whatever, a GQ magazine, doesn't quite get it um, or translate translates it properly. Like, what's your thoughts on that? Because, um, you know, so many artists still, I, and I, I think a lot of artists don't even want to do interviews anymore because they're afraid that their story is not going to be told properly. Uh, well, I think at the end of the day, given the nature of uh, social media and any media, the headlines have to sell the story. So... Um, I think, of course, it would it would be about the, him being gay and how he feels about that. That would have to be the selling line. Okay. So then, if that's the case, um, don't bring it up because I think he brought it up, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah, probably. But yeah. they didn't they didn't ask him about it. Um, but again, you know what? It's all part of the process of learning how to be a superstar. Right. True. Uh, like you're our superstar. So thanks, Sharon. I'm still learning too, Cal. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Our music editor, Sharon Highland. You can listen to Sharon and I I host our podcast, 90s Now, where we give you uh, all the good stuff with regards to the 90s and the now. You can check us out, 90snow.com, or follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. That's it, the beginning. Saw you was the ending. Wanna start again. That's Ontario-based three-piece pop-punk band Courage My Love. They are back with a new single called Remission. Now, the band is fronted by twin sisters Mercedes and Phoenix. They also have along for the ride bass player Brandon. About this particular song, Mercedes says that they wrote it about being haunted by painful memories. Now, I think it's a great track. Driving beat, bass line, solid effort from the group. They are currently over in the UK right now with some dates in Manchester, Birmingham, and London. Soundgarden's Chris Cornell passed away tragically in 2017, and his wife Vicky Cornell, on behalf of his estate, has just released a new album called Chris Cornell, which commemorates his life and legacy. Now, the song you're hearing is actually a live version of Chris's cover of Prince's Nothing Compares to You, which, as we all remember, was made famous by Sinead O'Connor back in 1990. And keep in mind, if you are a fan of Chris Cornell, there's going to be an amazing event happening on Wednesday, January 16th at the Forum in Los Angeles. 
The event is called I Am The Highway, a tribute to Chris Cornell. Amazing artists are going to be there. Performances from members of Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, plus the Foo Fighters, Metallica and Ryan Adams. Brad Pitt is going to be there. Tom Morello, Catherine Brolin. Jimmy Kimmel is hosting the night. It's going to be fantastic. Again, Wednesday, January 16th. Legendary DJ and producer David Guetta has just released this new single from his double disc album Seven. The song is called Say My Name and features the phenomenal BB Rexa, who has had a banner year herself with her duet with Florida Georgia Line, Meant to Be. Now, the song Say My Name is a mixture of straight up pop and tropical vibes, super catchy. There's some other great collaborations, by the way, on the album Seven with artists like Sia, Nicki Minaj, Anne Marie, Justin Bieber, and Jason Derulo. New music on the Kelly Alexander Show. We'd love for you to subscribe to our show. We're on major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. Right now, we're ready to speak with singer-songwriter Tim Newfeld of the Juno Award-winning Canadian bluegrass band Tim and the Glory Boys. The band have recently released their album The Buffalo Roadshow and new song Blessed and are currently touring across Canada, and we very much appreciate Tim making the time to chat while he is on the road. Tim, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be here. So I understand you're actually uh, like on the bus right now. Can I ask you where you are? <laughs> you can. I'm in uh, beautiful Charlottetown on the sunniest of all days, and we just uh, had breakfast at a little joint called Kettle Black. It was amazing. Awesome. We're on the, uh, the first leg of this Buffalo Roadshow tour that is taking an, uh, about a uh, year and a half to complete and hitting about 150 markets in Canada. Oh my God, crazy. Now we're going to talk about the tour a little bit more in just a sec, but I did want to bring you back to actually when you were a kid. Was being a recording artist, a singer-songwriter always in the cards for you? Uh, I suppose it was, but I, I, um, I didn't know it until I was in my, in my late teens and early 20s. I grew up singing gospel music in the church. And, um, and so, you know, I had a father who played guitar. He still does. I learned on his old Martin and it was, it was just gospel songs, church songs for, for a good decade until I discovered there was other music to uh, possibly be inspired by. And then as the bands, you know, the, the garage band started happening, it was more and more of an inkling towards maybe being able to do this for the rest of my life. And, and so far so good. I haven't had a real job in about 15 years. Awesome. Was there like a particular moment or was it a series of moments where you're like, yeah, I'm doing this? Um, I think this particular um, version of it, there was definitely a moment. I was I was with a, a gospel band. We signed to EMI, um, CMG in Nashville and did five records with them and, and, and enjoyed that a lot. But at some point became a little bit uh, uh, just frustrated creatively and, and wanted to branch out. And it was a band that I had started with my brother. So we we disbanded and uh, and out of the ashes came what is now Tim and the Glory Boys. And it kind of just started it as an experiment. And people seemed to really dig the music that we had grown up playing, that we were now translating live. Uh, before then, it had just been rock bands and, you know, electric guitars and pedals and the whole thing. Uh, longer hair than I'd like to admit I had. And, uh, and the bluegrass uh, kind of came out of that. So, yeah, that would be a moment for us for sure. Like this Tim and the Glory Boys thing is a lot more fun and fulfilling, and I could do this the rest of my life. Fantastic. Now, uh, you mentioned Nashville. Did you live down there for a while? Because I, if, I, if I understand things correctly, are you from Manitoba? I am originally from Manitoba. You understand correctly. And, yeah, we did move down there. My uh, mid-20s, we made the jump and uh, lived there for five years. So got the, uh, got the whole experience 
out of the way. It didn't really feel like I wanted to put down roots there, though. I know a lot of Canadian artists end up kind of just living in a place like Nashville. I, I just I just felt way too Canadian to, to make that happen. My wife and I, we basically got married and uh, lived in a three-bedroom condo with uh, four smelly dudes, shared a vehicle, went through the whole thing. And uh, it was a great experience, but it was also one that was, you know, when we started to uh, talk about having kids and and putting them in schools. It was like, we need to move back to British Columbia, which is where my wife is from. And that's where I've been for the last 10 years. Okay, cool. Awesome. Now, I wanted to ask you, I know we, we've talked about the bluegrass sound. How would you describe the band? Is it completely bluegrass or is it like sort of waffling between a bunch of different genres? Yeah, we seem like genre jumpers a little bit, especially with this record. It's uh, Although bluegrass, gospel and country, I think are, are pretty uh, established bedfellows. There's, there's not a ton... Um, of distinctions between them. They all kind of dabble in each other's um, music or kind of lyrical themes or inspiration. So, but that said, this, this one is, is pretty, pretty much a country music record with some, uh, some bluegrass instrumentation and, and I guess some gospel flair. We are, you know, men of faith and that's always been a part of who we are, probably always will be. And, and so that comes through in the music. But I mean, our hope is that it doesn't come through in a, in a preachy way, just in a, you know, living life, trying to get through it kind of a way. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, Canadian singer-songwriter Tim Newfeld of Tim and the Glory Boys. Make sure to follow them on their website, timandtheglorieboys.com. Can you tell us how, first of all, tell us who's in the band and how you guys all came together? Because I know you said you had that earlier iteration, but now, like, who's who's who and what's happening? Yeah, you bet. So it's myself, I'm, I'm lead vocals and... Um, the, you know, acoustic guitar, um, 12 string, and then Colin Trask, he's one of the original members. He plays dobro and, uh, drums and he's one of the vocalists. Um, Jonathan Mushluck uh, is, uh, one of the Manitoba boys and he plays upright bass and electric bass when it's called for. And then Brenton Thorvaldson is our, uh, our alt guy. He plays banjo and dobro and fiddle and guitar and pedal steel he plays everything so he makes us sound pretty and legitimate and that's been for this tour and beyond the four guys in the band now do you guys also view yourselves as businessmen i would imagine because in this day and age it seems like you can't just be the artist you have to have the eye on all of the prize that's a great question that i've never been asked and absolutely sometimes i feel like i'm 90 percent business man and 10 percent artist and it, it has to fluctuate between obviously but it, it really is a uh, a game of, of of balancing the passion and the and the artistry with with uh, a sense of you know like making sure you're getting paid for the for the art that you're creating. And in some ways, it's harder than it's ever been, and in some ways, it's easier if you have an entrepreneurial drive to to you know obviously like honor the art and honor the people involved, but still uh, get paid. You can you can really do more now in 2018 than you could ever have done in the past without the help of labels or, or agents. And that's what we have done over the last five years. We've been agent and really handler free. And that was coming out of the experience with EMI where we had management and booking and, and all kinds of other things. And, you know, like 25 points off every dollar was going to uh, somebody that wasn't us. So we just decided to uh, start from scratch, just Colin and I at the beginning and now five years later, we're picking up more help because it's just grown to the point where, you know, we sold 60,000 tickets on our last tour across Canada. There's just, and there's 55 shows a, a run and we, you know, do three runs and it just, it's overwhelming for us. So that's why we've uh, connected with Starseed Management out of Toronto 
and they've been amazing. They manage other country acts like the Rec Laws and James Barker Band, and, and they've been able to connect us with uh, a, a bunch of uh, other people that are now helping us to uh, take that next step, whatever it is, with the with the country radio single and, and everything else that's happening for us. We we are uh, um, kind of flabbergasted and and just nothing but grateful for the opportunities. It feels like a bit of a dream, especially at this stage in my career, having kind of gone through this already once before. Can you let us know, um, with regards to social media, like, are you guys doing some of it yourselves? Like, do each of you sort of handle a platform, or do you kind of want to pass that off to somebody on your team? Yeah, I feel like uh, it gets passed around. I think there are are bands that do it better. I have a love-hate relationship with the social media side of things, but it's probably most the hate part has to do with my own insecurities about wanting to share my life. But I know that it's uh, it's an important part of the business side of it. And I do enjoy uh, the relationship and the conversations that happen out of it. So um, we're trying to figure it out. I think on some levels, all of us would be better off if we just threw our iPhones or our Samsungs or our devices off a cliff. But since we're in it, it's a team effort. And it's one we're constantly trying to figure out. Now, speaking of your latest album, The Buffalo Roadshow, first of all, I want you to explain the title and also what you want uh, fans and new fans to take away from the album. Uh, it is, uh, yes, thanks. Uh, it is a, I, I'm, you mentioned the business side of things. I am definitely uh, driven to uh, make sure that whatever we're doing is uh, artistically driven, and that's every part of it, all the different arms of, of what we do. And, and the album title and, and everything that follows suit is, is a part of that. So the Buffalo Roadshow just seemed like um, it checked all the boxes for us. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've been enthralled with Buffaloes uh, since I was a kid. I, I lived uh, growing up in Winnipeg to go to the Museum of Man and Nature and see that, that first display where there's these stuffed buffalo running away from people with bows and arrows and then being enthralled with living uh, again in Edmonton in later years and Edmonton surrounded by Buffalo sanctuaries. If you've ever been there, they're all along the highway. And I, I just, it's always sort of been my thing. So it made sense to include that. They're a very Canadian animal and we're, we're uh, very kind of Canadiana in our sensibilities. And that's something we've tried to keep at the forefront of, of all the things we do. And it, sounded like a lot of fun to be able to Photoshop our, ourselves on the backs of Buffalo for an album cover. So we uh, hired a, a friend from Vancouver and um, spent a day of it and uh, tapped some Photoshop geniuses. And now we are uh, the Buffalo Riders. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I wanted to ask you, yeah. too, um, about, you mentioned, like, sort of, you know, the Canadiana situation. How have you been embraced sure. by Canadian fans? Like, what do they mean to you? Because I know, obviously, you've traveled around the world, but, but what does your homegrown audience mean to you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I it means the world, and the fans are are the ones that you know obviously are the lifeblood of what we do, and it's the reason we do it, and especially the Canadians. We have a particular uh, chip on our shoulder for the Canadians that you know just sort of run to America and and chase after whatever um, worldwide fame they can get, and forget about Canada. And I've been there, so I I mean I I understand. I lived in Nashville. There were years that when we were signed with DMI, we we played Canada, you know hardly at all and just filled up our schedule with American and international dates. But, but this particular uh, iteration is just uh, about being homegrown and celebrating that and letting it come through in the music and everything else and not being afraid. We've played a a bunch of times in the U S as Tim and the glory boys, but it's an important part of, of who we are. And, and having been now across this country, probably two dozen times, I feel like I, 
I've been everywhere. If somebody's been more places in Canada than me, I think I'd take it personally and I'd want to <laughs> challenge them to some sort of a trivia uh, quiz off uh, on, on exactly where they've been. But it's certainly um, always a treat to be places like where we are today in Charlottetown and PEI. There's just so much history here. We went to the Confederation Museum monument this morning with our Starbucks copies and the uh, Starbucks uh, coffee is another local place that's really, really wonderful. It's really boutique. I've never seen it anywhere else, so we went there. That was a joke. <laughs> I got it. Um, <laughs> we, we went to another cool place, too, but, of course, we ended up going to Starbucks. Uh, Charlottetown's wonderful. It, it, it is kind of like, it's sort of where the, the idea of Canada began, and, and it's, it's fitting that I'm talking to you from here, talking about being Canadian and, um, and wanting to remain Canadian in our essence as a band. You sound like a really driven guy in speaking to you over the last couple of minutes, and I appreciate that because I feel like I'm, I'm a driven girl. And I wanted to ask you, um, do you have specific objectives for the band? Like, I feel like, uh, especially with regards to Canada and maybe sort of world domination of Canada, like obviously the Tragically Hip um, have such a place in, in people's hearts. Do you hope that that's something yeah, that could, yeah. could happen for you guys? I think what, I, what I'll say is I would be okay if that was all it ever was. Because you know how it is with like bands like the Tragically Hip or... Or, or bands I grew up with, like Our Lady Peace, um, and they they just never really had uh, much of a, a dominant presence out of the parts of the world. And I, I think some artists uh, have a problem with that, and I always feel like they never they never kind of were able to crack something, and others just accept it and you know like live in it and and adopt it as sort of what what they're doing and what they want to be about. And that's us. We just I, can't, I honestly can't believe I'm still getting to do music. So if anybody shows up. Any of the shows that we uh, throw anywhere in Canada, it, it always feels like a gift. And we want to just keep being unapologetically who we are. And it is who we are. I mean, we are uh, born and bred and we're hunters and fishers and we love snowmobiling in the off season. We take the tour bus up to Whistler and jam the trailer full of snowmobiles and, and just make a, an overnight cookout of it uh, several times. Um, when we're home and during the winter and, you know, during the summer, it's just getting out in the boat and doing all the Canadian things. And so we, I guess that comes through in the music and that's what we're driven to do is to enjoy ourselves and let that enjoyment of our lives, our happiness be what people see through the music and through the live show. I had a couple of questions just before I let you go. One of them is, uh, I always like to sort of ask this question. If you could actually tour with another artist or music or musician just to be on the same bill with them, who, who would it be and why? I think at this point there's a, a bunch of country artists that are enticing. I, I love, uh, several, there's several different, uh, uh, artists that have kind of grabbed a hold of, of us, uh, as inspiration. Core Blunt is one of those. I think he's, um, in the country music scene, but sort of not of it, if, if that makes sense. And, uh, he kind of is driven by his own set of, uh, of cool and, standards and 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 you know to his own drum and and i i respect that uh there's there's i i suppose uh if i were to give you my guilty pleasure um opening artist slot uh it would be probably for garth brooks i grew up loving his music he was the one country music guy that i never kind of fell out of love with and i can uh out karaoke anybody on any garth tune um <laughs> I can, I can say that pretty confidently. And he's just the master entertainer. I'm, I'm driven uh, to be like guys like Garth. Uh, Michael Blue is another 
kind of homegrown entertainer that is just, he just radiates this, this openness and this um, vulnerability and confidence that I think is otherworldly. And, uh, and so, you know, I guess Buble or Garth Brooks would be amazing. It wouldn't make any sense, but if, if it could work in some scenario, I would uh, probably die on stage. Awesome. And uh, lastly, what is up next yeah. for you guys after the tour? I know you guys have, have, you know, many, many months left to tour, but what do you think will happen? You'll take a break or will you get into other things? Like what's going to happen? Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, when we tour, it's for three month blocks, but we basically go out for two weeks and we're home for a week and a half, two weeks. We, it's, it's an expensive way to tour, but it's the only way that, that we're going to do it. We're all family, men. We have kids, seven kids between us. We're all married dudes. So, you know, we just have responsibilities domestically back home. And, and that really is, I mean, who we are. This music thing is a job. I mean, it's a pretty amazing job and it's one we don't take for granted, but but that if if the family stuff isn't figured out, then all the music stuff is kind of pointless as far as I'm concerned. So we make a really uh, concerted effort to make sure that, you know, our wives and kids are, are taken care of and we're, we're home as much as possible. And then when we're not touring, which is half the year, we are home to the point where our families get sick of us. So it's a good balance. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, it's been such a treat to speak to you. I really appreciate you uh, you spending time with us. And of course, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Yeah, thank you. That is uh, Canadian singer-songwriter Tim Newfeld of Tim and the Glory Boys. Make sure to follow him and the band, timandtheglorieboys.com. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. A big thank you as well going out to our guests, Lights and Tim Newfeld. A big thank you as well to our producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. And please don't forget, you can listen to us on many different podcast platforms, and we'd love for you to rate us. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and checking out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.